0: It's a delight to see you linked up, church, on this fine Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. Just real quick before you all take your seats, we pray and you all take your seats. I just wanted to make some acknowledgments. Number one, I am not Pastor Joe E. Gregory. But I'm, I'm the other side of the Gregory family, of the Gregory clan, Pastor Trish Gregory, his wife. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And this is my first time. I didn't say it first. This is my first time dawning the stage, ministering. So praise God, I'm excited. But if this is, yeah, 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 yeah. But if this is your first time visiting with us here at Linked Up Church, I do invite you to come back. Receive from the anointing that's on our pastor's life. I promise you, you will be blessed as a result and you will not regret coming back. Amen. But in the meantime, you just have to settle with me. Is that okay? Praise God. Number two, I want to acknowledge our Forever Young clan. Yesterday, yeah! Yesterday, Pastor Gregory and I had the honor of serving our wonderful young folks, our 60 and over uh, youngsters, and they, we had a good time. And thank you for your gift. Thank you for just who you are. Thank you for being vital vital parts of linked up church and just remember what we shared on yesterday we need you amen but i also want to thank all of the volunteers and the staff members that sacrificed their saturdays to make it happen so thank you so very much god bless you it was not in vain amen and next you know we had uh speaking of gifts we my pastor gregory and i on thursday celebrated 21 years of marriage yeah and it's been a good 21 years, y'all. Good. Let me tell you, if you, if you want to get married, you want a good thing. And if you're married, listen, treat it right because it's a good thing. And that's all I'll say about that. Amen. And then finally, on Saturday, we had a busy, busy, busy weekend. But also on Saturday, we had our job link. So we had about 15, 16 people show up for job link. Amen. And those are people who are gearing up to grow in their career and their jobs and everything else, uh, teaching you professional development. So God bless you all. And if you're interested, you can show up on next Saturday as well. I think that's all the acknowledgments that I wanted to make. So if you would, just bow your heads and let's go together before the throne of grace. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are just great and greatly to be praised. We magnify your name for you're just good all the time. I thank you for every gift that has set the table for this service on this morning. From the parking lot to the praise team, Father. From the sound department to the visual department, Father. I thank you. Daddy, you've set the table. So right now, I just thank you for the power of your word. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Anoint your word. Empower your people to receive it, that it goes forth to bring you glory. Truly, may the song and the meditation of my heart reign true fill our lives till all they see is you Lord be glorified not only in this service but for all of those that choose to adhere and abide and live in the goodness of your word and your spirit thank you right now for all the things that you'll manifest in Jesus name amen and so be it. God bless you and let's give our music department a great big hallelujah praise God just Always, always, always an awesome job. And turn to your neighbor and just say, hey, expect amazing. Expect amazing this morning. You all can be seated while you're taking your seat. You can turn with me in your Bibles, on your devices, or wherever to Matthew chapter 16. And then while you're doing that, I'm going to share a story. Can I share a story? Yeah. All right. So, you know, I was thinking as I was preparing Uh, about something that happened around this time a few years ago. Now, this is a very long time ago. I say that because I don't want you judging me. Amen. So quite some time ago, I went to Costco's because you know Costco's is my other man, right? (laughs) I had to go make my weekly visit. And typically, I don't go on Saturdays because I know everybody wants Costco's on Saturdays. But this time I went. And so what happened was I was looking for a parking spot and I found somebody that was coming out and I waited there for him with my blinker on patiently. I even put it in park and you know while I'm waiting there and he does what he does to load up his car and get ready to leave there's another car that eases down on the other side. So I'm facing this way and the other car's facing that way and I notice he stopped and I'm like surely he's not trying to take my parking spot. I mean, surely he sees I'm here, blinker on, this big old SUV. I mean, he, he got some sense. And the way the gentleman pulled out of his parking spot, he pulled out like this. So I had to, the benefit of pulling out was on the other side, not on my side. Now, you shoppers, you know what I'm talking about, when you're on the advantage side, right? So I was not on the advantage side. And you know that joker pulled up in my parking spot? Oh, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. So, what do I do? Save, sanctify, filled with the Holy Spirit with a mighty burning fire. I whipped my car over, tucked it right between blocking in three other cars, put my car in park, and get out and come. And I noticed this little fish sticker on the back of his car. Oh, yeah, I'm really about to get indignant with you now. And the gentleman and his wife or girlfriend or whoever they were, they're getting out the car. And I'm like, did you saw me? You saw me sitting there. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm capable of. Do you know what you just did? And you're up and sitting. And then you got a fish- Christian sticker on the back of your car. What kind of Christ you represent? I'm going in. This <laughs> long time ago. I've grown in my salvation since then. And I went on to say in my rant, you don't know me. For all you know, when you come back out, all four of your tires might be slashed. Oh. Y'all I don't need to go home and pray about what kind of church you connected to. I've been delivered. <laughs> I've been delivered. <laughs> But during this time of year, that that story has a point in a minute. During this time of year, what I've learned is a lot of people are out there celebrating Christmas but have no idea of who Jesus is nor care to or choose to believe in who he is and what he has provided. I know Indian people who are straight up Hindu. They put the tree up, they buy the gifts, they hang the reefs, they cook a dinner, and they do all the good stuff and still go to their Hindu temple. I know people who are agnostic and they just celebrate because it's just a time of celebration. And as the body of Christ, you realize that this is the only holiday, this is the one time of year, the two, one of two times a year that's celebrated across the globe. And both of them are Christian-based. Both of them are centered around Jesus. But as the church grows weaker, what I'm seeing now is that people are celebrating this without hearing the message. So my question to you on this fine Sunday morning is, who is God? Who is God? Not that you don't know. I'm going to make sure that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you are empowered to know but what I'm challenging you to do is to make sure that you take this who is God with you so that truly, when they see you, they see Him. Amen. And if by nothing else one to question, who, what makes you so special? And you're empowered and you're so confident in who God is that you're able to give a good reply. Amen. Amen. So if there's a title to ascribe to this, it would be, who is God? Who is God? And you know what? And this ain't nothing new because Jesus, towards the end of his ministry, mind you, he has been preaching, teaching miracles, signs, and wonders for the past three years. And now he's nearing the end of his ministry, and he finally wakes up, and he's like, wait a minute. There's a whole bunch of opinions of who I am. There's a whole bunch of thoughts and assumptions about what I'm about. So let me make sure at least these 12 that's been with me for three years, let me see where they are. Let me set them up so that they are not only aware of opposing opinions, but let me identify them so they can do the job that I'm leaving them to do when I leave this earth. So in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus is at the the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Now understand there's something very peculiar about the way he asked that question. He said, Whom do people say that I, the son of man, am? Not that who do people say that I am, but who do people say that I, the son of man, am? In other words, what he's saying is I'm qualifying you and I want you to be honest with me because I realize that I'm here as human. I'm here as the son of man. So I know that people are recognizing me just not not by what they've seen like you have, but they recognize me as just being another human being. So who do people say that I am as I dwell in this flesh and bones? And so it, it goes on to say that the disciples piped up, and they had several different answers according to verse 14. They said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So right there, we got four, three or four different responses from the disciples. They piped up and they said, this is what popular opinion says about who you are. You are just a good word. You know how, you know, cause nothing has changed from then to now. So they said John the Baptist. John the Baptist was known for what? Preaching conviction, preaching repentance. So, you know, sometimes a lot of people just relegate Jesus and things pertain to Jesus as just a good word. You know, people floating around looking for prophecy, a prophetic word to be spoken over them. And nothing's wrong with that. But when that's where his power dwells at, you limit yourself in who he is. Amen. Some say that thou art Elijah or Elias. Those are the miracle working prophets, right? Those are the ones that walked in miracle signs and wonders, parting creaks and delivering and calling down fire from heaven. And for some people, Christians I'm talking about, we see Jesus, we see God as just being a miracle worker. Expecting him to show up at our beckoning for a miracle. Now I'm not saying anything's wrong with that either. But when that's when we call on him the most, we limit who he is in our lives. Some said here that he was Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He was the one that was warning Israel that, hey, there's judgment coming. There's judgment coming. So some relegated God is just this big judge in the sky that's there to punish our wrongs, thinking that God is mad at us and can't use us for, his, for any good, good and great purpose. There's a lot of people that think of God like that. And therefore are reluctant in how to even function in their relationship with them because they are so burdened with what they did wrong that they see that's what God, they think that's what God sees. But when we operate with God being identified to us as that, we again limit who he is in our lives. Amen. And then it says, or one of the prophets, just some messenger. He uses a bunch of preachers and teachers and stuff just to talk about his word. God just lives in his word. He's the church. God is not the church. You're God's church. Amen. And so in Matthew 16, 16, he goes on to say, after they all responded, he says, and Simon Peter answered. Oh, no, he goes on to say, hey, and who do you say that I am? And then it says here that Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, when he asked the first question, who do people say that I am? He was talking to all the disciples, right? You can talk to me. Let's engage. Let's have some conversation. He was talking to all the disciples, right? But then when he turned around and said, but who do you say that I am? Who was he talking to? No, he wasn't. He was still talking to all the disciples. And the recollection of the theologians say that, Because only one person responded typically means there was a pause. How many of you were asked that trick question? And you're like, I think I know the answer, but I don't know the answer. I don't want to be the first one to say. That's sort of how they felt. And so a lot of times when you see only one person responding, because mind you, Jewish people, that's how they learned in a synagogue, by constant engaging. So if somebody had an answer, somebody had a rebuke, somebody had a debate, they were quick to answer it. But when you have one person responding, typically it means that there was a pause. So in other words, I'm drawing a picture for you in that when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? Oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're just one of the prophets. Okay, all right, cool, 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 cool. All right, that's enough. But who do you say that I am? And now there's this pause. And after this awkward pause, Peter pipes up and says, thou art the Christ." the son of the living God. And then Peter fastens, Jesus fastens his eyes on him and turns to him and says, Peter, you might be that little rock, but dude, on, on the big rock of your revelation, will I build my church? And it's in that moment that Peter not only acknowledges him as being the anointed one and his anointing, because that's what Christ means. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Jesus, the anointed one and his anointing. That's who he that's that's how it's described. So he says, you are the anointed one in his anointing that smeared on smudged on attached power of God and the son of the living God. OK, is who he is. So in that he's power, but also he's redemption. You see that? And so then he goes on to say, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He calls Peter Simon Barjona. Mind you, his name was Simon Peter, but it meant so much more when he says Simon Barjona because you understand when you dig into the Scripture, Greek word for Simon there means good listener, intentive listener, open ear, intentional in what they're listening to and being taught. That's what the word Simon there means. But when you see the word Bar, Bar is the Greek word for son. Son, my son, your son. You are a son if you're a male. And then that last word, Jonah, mind you, further up in that very same chapter, he rebukes the Pharisees and Sadducees and says, I am like Jonah, the one who spent time three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. That will I do to come back and redeem you and show you what you're really about. So he says, good listener, son of mine. And herein do we have the very first Christian, Peter, proclaiming Jesus as the son of God, the anointed one and his anointing. Amen. Amen. And so he says this. And from here, we go on to hear that Jesus makes his proclamation about who Peter will be and how he will build his church in the days to come. So then the next question is, then who do people say that God is today? So let me share with you another story. Can I share another story? So my daughter, she, you know, she'll be moving up to Athens to attend UGA in January. Go dogs! Um, we're still recovering from yesterday, but amen. For all you Bama people, congratulations. But, um, uh, so this house, my house right now is go blue, go dogs. But anyway, um. My daughter, though, she called me a few weeks ago and she's like, Mom, I've got to tell you this story because she's taking classes on Kennesaw State University's campus, and while she was walking across campus, she, <laughs> she was approached by another young lady who said, Hey, do you want to come to our Bible study? And Joe was like, Oh. You know, I'm, I'm, this is me in my head thinking what Joel might have been thinking, like, oh, she recognized the anointing that's on my life. And she just <laughs> recognized that Jesus is all over this, and she wants to invite me to her Bible study. And so my daughter, she was like, oh, cool, you know, hey, yeah, I would love to come. It's a Bible study, Joel." and the girl says, yeah, and so Joelle says she takes out her phone, getting ready to record the information, where and when and all this stuff, and somehow the conversation turned whereby, you know, Joel's was like, let me just make sure, and so she, uh, she said, you're talking about a Bible study with Jesus, right, and the girl was like, yeah, we're Christians, it's a Christian Bible study, we just believe in, you've, you've heard of God the mother, right? Somebody over here is like, oh. But let me tell you, it's real out there. People, I mean, it doesn't make physical sense. Because then you just give me a quick moment. I didn't share this first service, but if you think because people are out there calling God a mother, calling God a woman. And you know, I'm all for you know women's rights and all this stuff, but God ain't no female. Is physiologically impossible let's just do mere science how many science teachers biology teachers doctors nurses medical field people that took biology and actually passed it (laughs) just think about it if God says I created man in my own image and so therefore we are a a reflection of God's image and if the science is true that we would produce after our own kind right and if it's true that our chromosomes, the X and Y equals a what? A male, a male carries what? Come on, don't be scared. Especially if you did, got an A in biology. Come on now. The X and Y chromosome is what? And the double Y chromosome is what? Female, right? So good, if God was a female having a double Y chromosome, could he really produce a male? It doesn't make physiological sense, but nevertheless, there are plenty of people out there that says God is a mother, that God is mother nature, that God is mother earth, that God is the universe, that God is a higher power, all the while saying that they're Christian. The young lady that approached my daughter, she was straight Bible study. Yes, we're Christians. So you see, when, as the days draw nearer, even the very elect can be deceived. So if you're not rooted in who he is and have your own personal relationship with him, when I say relationship, understand it's an experience that's exchanged. He shows himself up in you, you show yourself up in him. It's an exchange. And when you don't have that, you can be swayed by the very mere mention of different stuff because of itching ears. So then he goes on to say, who do, "Who do people say that he is today?" So I just talked about that, but then understand that we, with that, we can have experiences with God. And when you know, and I, I often you know sort of get perplexed when I encounter people who are so turned off by church but proclaim themselves to be Christian, not because of anything that. But I get to come on the floor, y'all. Thank you. But not by anything else, but that Christians or church did not show up to be what they thought it should be. And then we introduce, we meet this guy named Judas. Because, see, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. This dude has spent the last three plus years with Jesus. He has traveled along. His, in fact, he's so high up in the ranks that he's the treasurer of his ministry. Okay? Okay. Judas has been hanging around for quite some time. And Jesus is not stupid. He knows exactly who he's dealing with. Show him his good. But yet God's grace and God's mercy continues to give him ways out, continues to show him his goodness, continues to show him his love. But Jesus is just stuck on his own plans. And a lot of times we can be the same way. When God doesn't answer our prayers the way we think he should answer it, when the manifestation of the money that we need doesn't hit the deadline, when we don't get that husband that we've been believing for, when we don't, when the healing don't show up the way it's supposed to show up, when the medicine didn't work work when our kids go wayward hey whatever happens we all of a sudden get get upset man of God told me if I study and if I spend time in prayer in his word this would be all right so when life don't go according to what we believe God should do in our lives we get offended and that's exactly what happened with Judas because understand that Jesus came as a king of the Jews so proclaimed Herod and the prophets and so I would imagine that Judas is like, oh, Judas is like, I'm, 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 he chose me. I'm down with this dude. He's going to be the king. That means I'm going to be a significant figure in parliament. I'm going to have the office. I might be governor. I don't know, but I'm paid. I'm about to get, I mean, I'm about to get, it's about to be on. <laughs> All this hard work, I'm just going to connect myself to this dude because he's my pathway. He's my opportunity to the big things that I want in my life. And see, earlier in the chapter, you know, we read about all these signs and wonders. Now, mind you, this happened way after Peter's revelation. They're all at the table. Judas hears God say, that Peter say, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He was there. This is back in Matthew 16. So now we're all just sitting down in Matthew chapter 26. And it says here... Now, when he, in verse 20, and when the evening has come, he sat down with the 12. Now, mind you, he had just earlier in the chapter, the woman came, talked about a little bit during praise and worship, and she broke her alabaster box, and she poured her life's savings on this rich ointment upon the head of Jesus. As a burial memorial, she laid it all out for him. Her richest and her most valuable thing in life, she sacrifices it for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to memorialize him while he was yet alive, okay? And Judas pipes up and says, couldn't we have taken this, sold it, and given it to the poor? And so... And Scripture says not that he really cared for the poor, but see, he was the treasurer and he was into thieving. So once you turn that thing into liquid cash, there's no record of where it's going, right? And so he was offended. Just like many times people get offended with what goes on in church, because, you know, we have an expectation that everybody is sweet, loving, and kind, and not everybody gives out the hugs that I give, sorry. But you don't realize that sometimes when you come to church and you're, you're struck the wrong way, you might have been rubbed the wrong way, somebody, maybe somebody didn't speak to you. Maybe the, the usher was a little rude. Maybe the parking lot attendant did have you go the wrong way only to tell you to turn around. Maybe the children's church person told me, did tell you, oh, you can't leave your coat here, your baby's coat and toys here. Maybe someone did do something that offended you in a church or even this church. But you got to understand, when Jesus is in the mix, that was an opportunity for you to be iron. If iron sharpened iron, it takes blows. It takes blows after blows after blows. And that's your opportunity to develop and grow in the fruit of the Spirit of joy, love, kindness. Amen. Amen. So then when he's over here, now when the evening was come, Jesus sat down with the 12. I'm in Matthew 26, verse 20. And I want you to catch this because, mind you, like I said, Judas just spent all this time with Jesus. People spend a whole lot of time in church. People get to high ranks in churches, but yet don't quite see God the way they ought to see God. So it says here, And as they did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto them. "Since says, Every one of them says, Lord, is it I? Verse 23, And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The son of man goeth as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. And then check this, verse 25. Then Judas, which betrayed Jesus, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. Now I want you to get this small detail. In the beginning, he, they all, when he said that, they all piped up and said, Jesus, Lord, is it I? That word Lord there... Is translated to mean supreme in authority, master, none greater. But later on, when Judas pipes up and says, master, is it I? That word is translated as teacher. So the other 11 admonished him as Lord, Savior, Master, Messiah, supreme in authority. But when Judas says something, he just acknowledged him as being a good teacher. Why? Because he was offended. He didn't know God. Not that he didn't have the opportunity, but he didn't know him. Because why? He didn't match his agenda. Jesus did not flow according to Judas's plans. So you just must be a pretty good teacher. Never mind the signs and wonders, you're just a good teacher. And Jesus, knowing that Judas, so Judas didn't give himself up when he just dipped his hand in the bread in the dish. He gave himself up when he said, Master, teacher, is it me? Amen. So then who is God? Now this here um, theologian uh, is student of the Bible. He, his name is Charles Vince. He had done this study, and he was, you know, the Hebrew alphabet has so much more in it, and it's very introspective. It's very, um, every letter has a representation. It's very intentional as a language, and so what he did was he dug into this famous popular psalm, Psalms 23, and he found the correlation between the psalms, the names of how we're supposed to know the, who God is and how it relates to the New Testament God that we know. And so we're going to dig into that. Is that all right? Yeah. All right. So I don't know where I would. That's all right, Tim. Tim, you know I jump all over the place. I might mess around and stand up on a chair or something. So you're good. Thank you, though. So Psalms 23. Everybody turn to Psalms 23. This is where you get to participate in the message on this morning. Psalms 23. Read to me verse 1. Stop. Stop. The Lord is my shepherd just 1a I'm sorry just read 1a that right there the Lord is my shepherd again going back to who is God and there are certain things that you need to know about your God and because when you know this about your God and you draw deeper into knowing this about your God he reveals more of himself to you the more you dig into knowing this about your God the more he reveals to you when you dig your dig more into knowing this about your God the more he d- uh, reveals himself to you the reason why he's him revealing himself to you is that's where favor is and baby let me tell you something favor ain't fair he will jump you from an entry-level position to CEO in a matter of three years and everybody will wonder why when he reveals himself that's when supernatural occurrences happen that's when people are resurrected and rise up off of their bed in affliction and the medical professionals don't know what the world just happened when he shows himself to you and there's a deeper revelation, there's confidence in that revelation. And now he's able to just expose that, hey, I'm the blesser, not the curser. I'm the giver, not the taker. I'm the doer, not the. Come on now. So when he says the Lord is my shepherd, I'm going to introduce you to the seven names of God that every Christian should know. And how it relates to the New Testament. Because in these seven, just, just, there's a whole bunch of them. But just getting these seven and then being able to just really get that into your shana na. Well, I, I just trust me when I, when I, on the authority of God's word, the deeper you get this into you, the more He manifests Himself to you. Listen, you can't tell me nothing about God's un, uh, God's not willing to be a provider. Come on now, when we. Get fired from our job. Both of us. Now, mind you, never mind that I had six plus digits that I left in Detroit from my businesses. We come. So it was a sacrifice. So we sow seed there. We continue to be seed sowers. So when we leave our job and about a month later, you got an entire year's salary on your front porch. Come on now. Something as simple as when I walk. Yeah, I had that episode at the Costco's parking lot, but I repented because I felt terrible afterwards. I got in my car. And what was so sad about that story, y'all, I didn't tell this earlier. But just, just out of curiosity's sake, I, I found, actually went, went and found a better parking spot. <laughs> and that's when the Holy Spirit just convicted me and dealt with me. I mean, I mean, he dealt with me treacherously because he, he know who we're dealing with. He can't be pity-patty with me. My name might be Patty, but it ain't Pity Patty for real. And I feel so bad. So, out of curiosity, I go into Costco's, do what I got to do, and I come back to that spot. Them people was gone. I think they got scared and left. <laughs> so, anyway, Psalm chapter 23. Let me get back on topic. The Lord is my shepherd. Again, who is God? He says here, I am Jehovah Rohi. I am the shepherd. And he says in John chapter 16, verse 13, these notes are in the Version Bible app, so I encourage you to download that because this is a lot of information to record. And you can just add your personal notes onto that. But John 16, verse 13, in the Passion Translation, it says, But when the Spirit when the truth-giving spirit comes he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak his own message but only what he hears from the Father and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. That's what the shepherd does. The shepherd takes you and he guides you into where you gotta go and then he makes sure that he takes care of you. The shepherd lives and takes care of the sheep because he understands that the sheep is his sustenance. The sheep is what makes him go forward and propel him and his family and is a way of provision for him and his family. So when God calls us his sheep he says here that i am your shepherd in other words i wake up with you on my mind i function with you on my mind i go to eat with you on my mind i go to bed with you on my mind i guide you and i lead you i'm not holding nothing back from you i'm telling you what happens so if it caught you by surprise it's just because you didn't take enough time out to listen but even if it did catch you by surprise listen i'm your shepherd so guess what i'm going to lead you and guide you in the way in which you should go so that you can get out of the situation a little faster than you thought you would have He says, I am Jehovah-Rohi, baby. You ain't got nothing to worry about. Just stay connected to me and, and stay in my fold, and I got you. Because yeah. I see the path a far way off, and you only can see what you got. Because see, understand, sheep only see what's directly in front of them. But guess what? Sheep are keen hearers. Going back to that Simon Barjona, he praised Simon because he said, Simon, good listener intentional hearer son of mine faith comes by hearing and hearing by the sheep might not be able to see but guess what when you got a good shepherd you ain't got to see what's coming all you got to do is obey and listen read part b verse 1b i shall not want stop that right there he says i'm jehovah jireh I'm the Lord God, your provider. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 in the tra- in Passion Translation, he says, Paul says, I'm convinced. <laughs> Ain't nothing you can say to sway me. Amen. I got this on lock. For real, y'all? That my God will fully satisfy every need that you have. For I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. In other words, I, listen, I have not, probably not had as much as I wanted But there's been times where I had more than I needed. But no matter what, when I got him and he got me, I'm always amply supplied for. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. Now read verse 2 to me. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. There God describes himself as Jehovah Shalom. The Lord God my peace and he substantiates that you find evidence and, tra- and, and trails of this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And I love the passion. Tra- uh, this whole segment is the passion translation because it's just yummy. It's just good, y'all. It's so personal. I'm like, ooh, ooh. Mm. 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 He says, I am Jehovah Shalom. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, he says, Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body, y'all, spirit soul and body so yes he cares about whether you're overweight or underweight yes he cares about your state of mind yes he cares about young people what you got on your report card yes he cares about all he cares about your annual review he cares about your physical he cares about what people think about you he cares about all that He said, may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Beyonce ain't got nothing on you. He made you flawless. He says you are flawless in him. In him. Don't get it twisted. You didn't just wake up like that. Some of y'all got that. Okay, So he says, I am Jehovah Shalom. Read to me 3A, verse 3A, the first part of 3. He "He restoreth my soul. There he says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord God, your healer. He says here in 1 Peter chapter 224, he himself carried our sins on his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. Instant healing. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. When was he wounded? Over 2,000 years ago. So when are you healed? You are healed instantly. Now, it may take a minute to manifest in your body, but baby, when you're in the state of mind of His promises, it's now. It's now. Let me tell you something. I'm about to get you a little perplexed, and I don't think I would be me if I didn't invite you to tear down some of your religion. What if I told you that the past don't exist and the future don't exist? What if I told you that? You don't know what I've been through. I got scars on my body that show me my past existed. Listen, I'm about to introduce you to a new way of thinking. When God said, I healed in Isaiah, I mean, in, uh, that I healed in Isaiah, but that I healed in First Peter chapter 2. It's not so much about what you see. It's about what you have. So when I say, what if I told you that your future does not exist and your past doesn't exist? Listen, I don't care what you went through. If you went through something, all of us have a past. But all that we can speak to is our now. All that we can speak to is our now. So if our past is there, it's because we brought our past into our now. If we're confused about and we're concerned about and we're caught up about our future, it's only because we brought the potentials of our future into our now. And you have a choice to, of what you can do with your now as to how it will affect your future and what you're going to do with your past. But all of those two things are pendulated on what you're doing with it in your now. So when I introduce you and say, what if your future and your past does not exist? Not that it doesn't exist per se, but its effects of it is only in your now. It's only in your right now. Hebrews, Paul's talking about in Hebrews, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's what you do with your now that will manifest your tomorrow. So if healing is in your now, well, guess what? You don't want to jack up your tomorrow. So maybe you need to let go of the fried Southern Fried Gravy Smothered Pork Chops. Maybe we need to let go during this season of three, you No, know, because yesterday I had three different, two different, three different, Was it two or three? Just so that I ain't lying, I'll err on the side of three. Three desserts. Bread pudding was so off the chain. Woo, just made me want to just throw a shoe at somebody. So maybe we just have one dessert versus the three like I did. Amen. So he says, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, he himself carried our sins on his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounded body. Read to me verse 3b, the second part. He guideth me to his ways of righteousness for his name's sake. That part right there, he identifies himself. He says, hello, my name is Jehovah Tiskanu. Jehovah knew He is the Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. You ain't right all by yourself. I don't care how many degrees you have, how many promotions you have, how much your net income, what your, your net worth is. You are not right all by yourself. He has made you righteous, and in that righteousness, he declares you flawless. He declares you full of peace. He declares you successful and victorious and more than conquerors. It is in that righteousness that he says you are healed. It's in that righteousness that he says you are above and not beneath the head and not the tail. Amen? It is in that righteousness that he even says weeping might endure for the night, but what? So Jehovah knew the Lord our righteousness, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, he says, This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living life by faith. Wait, well, you ain't hear that? You ain't hear that? You ain't hear that? You didn't hear that? And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says, you are right with God through life, giving faith. In other words, see, because I know a lot of strong people. I know you all are strong people. There's a whole bunch of temptations on a Sunday morning that says, press the snooze button. There's a whole bunch of reasons with pending Monday on the way for you to say, let's stay home. So you're strong people. No doubt about it. I know plenty of people who are smart, intelligent, hardworking, persevering, determined, motivated, diligent. I know a whole bunch of strong people. But see, there comes a point in time in life where strong is not enough and you got to tap into the power of God. That's that power that does beyond what you can do. That's that power that slips in and makes, your way, makes, makes, you, makes a way for you when you thought there was no way. That's that power that all of a sudden shows up in your mailbox. That's that power that all of a sudden shows up when your boss says, come see me in my office. That's that power that shows up when the doctors can't explain why you don't have those same symptoms no more. He says you, get, you go from living life and getting life by faith. In other words... Merely making it to heaven to live life by faith, to have a power that comes with living a life of faith. Amen. See, it takes power to be a Christian, and which is why I'm talking about this, because everything about society is coming against you when it comes to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you realize this, but it's not popular to be a Christian don't mess around. And, I mean, and if, you're, if you have children, and I know sometimes these children can act like knuckleheads. But no one understand this, that they are swimming up against a stream that's way faster than what we grew up in. Social media is dogging them the first time they put God bless you. It is not, you, you dare not speak up against some convictions that you might have like homosexuality and transgenderedness. You dare not speak up against that. They will want to borderline hang you. And we caught up with some with with number forty-five and his antics. No disrespect to the office, but no one understands. Humans are flawed, and when you know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, He has no effect on you. He's up and down in four years. In Jesus name (laughs) but God is eternal his word he said heaven and earth will pass away but my word remains forever so when he says I am Jehovah Tiskanu I am your righteousness listen I will take the most crooked roads and make them straight I love but my, my my daughter, she has this saying she loves, she caught it from some song, and she says that even crooked sticks make straight lines. She says that all the time. She says I might be flawed, but I still can make a straight line. Amen. Read verse four to me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He says, hello, my name is Jehovah Shammah. I am the Lord that is your light, and I'm ever present. I don't care what you're going through and what you're facing. I don't care what they say about you. I don't care what they think about you. I don't care about your reputation. I don't care what your family says about you at this family dinner during holiday time. I am your light, and I'm always with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, if you just believe that, then you can be comforted knowing they might throw sticks at you now. But, hey, I'm the one that's making it all good. Jehovah Shammah, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, in the Passion Translation, it says here, and it's so good. He says, don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have, for you always have God's presence. For hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you, never, and I will not loosen my grip on your life? In other words, when God has you, honey, the word says, if God before you, who can be against you? When God says, I got my grip on you so tight, you can't jack it up even if you tried. And he's ever wooing you. We might run for him sometimes, but hey, he's ever saying, I'm here, baby. When you want to do right, I'm here, baby. I'm loving you through this, baby. I'm not going nowhere, baby. Yeah, your conscience is messing with you because I'm here, baby. I'm not, love's not turning you away, baby. I'm always going to be by your side, baby. Yeah, you messing up right now, but baby, I got grace to, to get you out of it, baby. My mercy is abundant and it's new every morning, baby. I got you, baby. Read to me, verse five, a the first part of five. Stop. He says here, but you prepare us a table for me. Well, you know what? Read the, yeah, no, stop there. You prepare us a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He says here, hello, my name is Jehovah Nissi. I am the Lord our banner. I go before you, and I make a way for you. Hey, I always call you in my kingdom. You can't lose. He says it may look like you down and out, but honey, you rise up again and again and again. You like doggone roaches. You don't go nowhere, you just multiply. He says, I am the Lord, your banner, Jehovah Nisi, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 and 58. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So now, beloved ones, stand firm and secure. Live your lives with an unshakable kind of confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord, because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. You might be kind of a setback, but your setback, is a set up for a comeback you remember that you got to be here for a little you had to have been here for a little while to know what I'm talking about there but you might have suffered something you might have gone through something you might be in your shadow of darkness right now but he says I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies in fact I like taking situations like this I didn't put this situation on you but understand that because people have choices and things do happen this has come upon you but guess what and when you put your faith in me and you are solely reliant on me you are so secure and confident in my ability to perform on your behalf I like showing off I like showing off I love shining And he says, and I don't do it by myself because it is in you that I shine. So I set that table before. And it's not just set and empty and pretty. I got some peach cobbler over there. I got some good old uh, whatever prime rib over there. I got the best of the best on this table. There's a spread that is so delectable and delicious and wonderful. And it's all for you. And guess what? There's as much there as you, there's as many seats there as you want. You invite your guests so that your enemies can see because your enemies turned into my enemies. That's why you got to be careful when you want to operate in unforgiveness. If they're a Christian and you're operating in unforgiveness, you don't know what side of the table you're going to be on. So I don't care what they've done to you. I've had to forgive people that just, I mean, listen, worthy of police reports. Okay? And I know there's plenty of people that have suffered more at the hands of other people's behavior and decisions. But no one understand this, that you don't want to be caught on the wrong side of forgiveness. Because truth be told, you need that same forgiveness. Amen. And when he says he sets that table before you in the presence of your enemies, it's so that should that, be, that forgiveness really be in operation, you can finally say, come on, enemy, have a seat. I know you didn't know better. Forgive them, Lord, for they knew not what they did. Amen. Read that final part of 5B to me. Some of y'all are like, uh... Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over, and I will dwell. What does it go on to say after that? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That verse 5, because that, that verse 6 is a little deep. I don't have enough time for that, but we're going to leave off at verse 5b. When he says, the Lord anointeth my head with oil My cup runs over. He says, hello, my name is Jehovah M. Kadesh. He says, in other words, I am the Lord, your holiness. I'm the one that makes you perfect. I'm the one that strides with you. I'm the one that sizes you up and puts you all together. I'm the one that makes you pure. I'm the one that cleanses you from all the filthy stains of the earth. I'm the Lord, your holiness. And in saying that, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, 22, and this is so good to me, it was good to my soul. He says, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions he reconnected you back to himself he released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence and now there's nothing between you and god the father for he sees you as holy flawless and restored understand unless he made you holy you could never come to his throne unless he made you holy you can never expect an answer to your prayers unless he made you holy you cannot live in his presence but yet he expects you to live in his presence he expects you to come to him constantly he expects you to represent him and that's only through the shed blood of jesus which cleansed you and made you right made you perfect made you holy so that all that trash that you've been through is counted as null and void and finally there's one thing when you sum it all up, there's one thing that he wants you to know about him. When, do, when you say, "Do you who is God? He, can, he tells us to sum it up in one word. My father. See, all through the New, Old Testament, Psalms 23 is good. And I wanted to translate into the New Testament so that you can see how vital your word is to you. But also, too, when it's all said and done. See, nowhere in the New Testament did they call him father. In the Old Testament did they call him father. He's daddy all throughout the New Testament. From Jesus, from the sun up to Revelations to the sun going down. He's father. He says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, and so that we would know for sure that we are his true children God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you're our true father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can't catch this, y'all. We can access everything our father has, for we are heirs of God through Jesus, the Messiah. When you realize that you are a son of the living God, you have access to everything that he has. And he's not storing it up for the way by and by because by the time you get to heaven, you don't need none of this stuff. He says that he, when you really, I don't, you know, some of you, some, some, some of us have no experience of having a father in our lives. Some of us have experience of having a horrible father figure in our lives. Some of us have had great father figures in our lives. Some of us have had absent father figures in our lives, whether they were present and absent or whether they were absent and absent. I don't care what your father figure was in your life. You just know that when you truly dig into being a son of the most high God, he erases all of that. And you don't have to live with your daddy issues because you know the daddy of daddies. And he's giving you access. He's giving you the master key to everything that he has. And it doesn't, catch this, y'all. It doesn't require you have going on a 40 day fast. It just requires you living every day aware of His presence in your life. It requires you just sitting down with His Word and getting to know Him by the study of His Word. And it's, get all, and it's just, He says here, the Holy Spirit is deposited in us, whereby we want more and more of our Father. See, when you're truly saved, when you're truly redeemed, when you're truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you truly desire him. Him. You know, oftentimes people get so caught up in the grace message. So do you mean to tell me that according to the grace of God, because it's not by works, I can do whatever I want to do and still be accepted in him? See, no one understand that when you are in him, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to distract. You don't want to corrupt. You don't want to sow discord and division. You don't, want, you don't want that. See, I love me some Joe E. Gregory. I love me some him. I mean, I, I love him in my soul. I mean, my sha-na-na, na na I give him my time. I give him my energy. I give him my attention. I give him my resources. I give him whatever he wants. Anytime you want it, boo. But I don't do that to make him love me. Because he wasn't getting none of that before we got married. Well, he got a little bit, but not all of it. But I do that because I love him. And when I love him, I freely give him everything. And I want to be what pleases him. I want to make him smile. I want to be the reason why he he goes to bed with a smile on his face. I want to be the reason why he's motivated. I I want to be a blessing to him. It's because I love him. But if I do something, expect okay, I did this, now you got to do that. That's not love. And God does not respond to works. He doesn't. Because, see, there's a difference between a hireling and a servant. When we're a servant, we're a son, we're a daughter, because we desire to serve him. But there's a hireling, I do this, and you got to do something else. He ain't into that, because he's like, the heaven and the earth is mine. I ain't got to give you nothing. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, I'm going to end it here. He says, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Now, oftentimes, that's how people treat church. This is my good deed for the week to clean up all the mess that I went through. So let me just go to church, get in my good deed, my stamp of approval, so God still loves me. No. He says, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. You hear that? I love this translation of, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back to the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for He, as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our our innermost being. You are God's beloved child. So, every time you draw near to him, his spirit, in you, his spirit in you grows up. You draw nigh to him, his spirit in you grows up. You draw nigh to him, his spirit in you grows up. And as his spirit in you grows up, he shines a little brighter. As your spirit his spirit in you grows up, he shines a little brighter. And when his spirit in you grows up, he shines even more. And that's when we live in that, we don't have... That's when you need seven, six, seven, eight, nine bank accounts. That's when you got to start a referral business because you got too much business to handle on your own. That's when you're going through hospitals laying hands on people because you've been like, I, I know the healing power of God and I know that through his power I can raise people up. That's when you know you can speak a word of encouragement that change a person's day in a moment. Because when he lives on the inside of you and he's increasingly growing and getting bigger and bigger, he can't help but to shine brighter and brighter. You can't outgive God. You can't outserve God. You can't outdo God. You can't out obey God. You can't. God said, Light be. They find a star every day. He said, I made man in my image. We, we, we reproducing all the time. That's probably why they're looking for whether we can live on Earth because we overpopulate. I mean, on Mars, we overpopulating the Earth. Jesus is coming back. Don't you be fooled by that mess. He's coming back before that happens. But no one understand that. When we know him as father, all those other names become so real to us because he shows up in those other names like that. So you don't have to be concerned about somebody else taking your parking spot, baby girl, baby boy. So what if they took up your parking spot? He gave you a whole doggone garage. So what if they inconvenienced you by a few minutes? He's giving you another situation that's closer to cut back. He holds time in his hands, and he'll manipulate it to your satisfaction. Amen? So who is God? Say that again. Who is God? So while every heart and mind is in the attitude of prayer, the music department makes their way up.